We are back on the FlowTrack Podcast, FlowTrackPodcast at gmail.com. I'm Kevin Sully, joined by Lincoln Shrike to recap the World Half Marathon Championships. We're not going heavy on cross country. That was a Gordon day. Lincoln day. We go international here. How are you, Link? Yeah, I appreciate getting the international uh, day for myself. I, I feel much more worldly than than Gordon is, so I think it's appropriate. But I'm doing I'm doing okay. I'm doing pretty pretty good. Um, even though my assured pick for the World Half Marathon Championships <laughs> did not win, uh, seems mm-hmm. to be a trend. Um, so we'll get into that. Mr. Cheptegei has maybe lost his World Athletics Athlete of the Year trophy. Mondo Duplantis took the title as Jacob Cablimo <laughs> got, the, got the victory. So we can get into all of that. But I was surprised with the result on the men's side. Yeah, after anointing him the, quote, heavy favorite or, quote, mm-hmm. almost immortal lock or, quote, I bet the lives of my entire family on Joshua Cheptegei. <laughs> Lincoln's... Yeah. Pick all fell apart. Some of you might be tuning in. You might be thinking, hey, these guys are going to talk about the Sawaid Nasser news. But it just happened. So we're going to wait till we digest mm-hmm. it, till we analyze it. And also, as Gordon reminds us, guys, there's nothing going on between now and December. So we need to space things out a little bit, mm-hmm. let it breathe. Also, tomorrow will be a Gordon and Lincoln episode. And Gordon on whereabouts failures and filing failures is just – that's top notch. So it's very yeah, that's good. worth the price of admission if if there ever was one. That's that's worth a download for for sure. Um, I can't wait for that. Um, we'll have to send him the definitions and the rules, uh, <laughs> and give him some tutorials before we start tomorrow at nine a.m. So I am excited for that. Yeah, I, maybe I'll email him some like this is what mm-hmm. Kevin thinks, so he can just read it. Because by the time we get to Thursday, that'll be that'll be too late. We'll be on to something else, or we can make mm-hmm. it a make it a two parter. Mm. These world, these world up marathon championships, I thought were pretty fun. The races were entertaining. They were fast and and tightly packed together. Let's do the men first because that gives us the opportunity to review your Chepty guy pick before going any farther on in the show. What happened, Lincoln? What happened to the world record holder? Is it time to panic if you're a Joshua Chepty guy fan? I did enjoy some takes afterwards. It says. Joshua Cheptegei, 5,000 and 10,000 meter world record holder. Is he even the best runner in his country though? Um, I, I enjoyed some of those. Um, I thought it would have set up perfectly for him because it was slow, you know, slowish. 14, 18, I think, through the first 5,000 meters. Very, very pedestrian for this quality of a field. He was up there um, early, obviously, when it was that slow. He never looked entirely comfortable to me. So I, I just have to think the unfamiliarity with the distance and the quality of the field, both of which I underestimated, really, really affected him. Now, could it have been the 10,000, the 2611 world record 10 days before? Could that have had something to do with it too? Sure. Um, but I, I tend to think he was fresh and just thoroughly outmatched by guys who had more experience you look at Kip Limo and you say, well, he's only run one half. Maybe that was enough for him. And it was just a very, very good day for, for the 19 year old. But check the guy looked like a guy who was running his first half marathon. Fourth is not anything to be ashamed of, but I underestimated the, the need for him to have experience at the distance, despite the fact that he's run fast at 15 K he's run fast at 10 K on the roads and obviously five K on the roads. Um, this was not, 
an easy course to make your debut at. It was a fun course. I think you texted me like this was a cool course. I mean, it went along the ocean. It went through tight mm-hmm. little windows of, of, of brick portions of the road. There were hairpin turns. I think that was maybe tough for him as somebody who I would think is a rhythm runner, a track runner, as you would normally think of being a rhythm runner. Mm-hmm. This course broke your rhythm quite a bit, and maybe that had all added up to the fact that it just was going to be hard for him to win in his debut. But let's not take it away from Kip Limo, who looked incredible all the way to the finish line, and Candy, who was kind of the instigator of of the the late charges that dropped Cheptegei uh, out of contention. Um it, those two guys were really, really spectacular. Cheptegei hasn't run this year around people. And when you watch the race back and he's in a pack, it just looked strange. He's mm-hmm. only been paced by people in these fast record attempts. That probably was a bit of an adjustment in addition to the fact that the distance was entirely new to him and he was running on on tired legs. I think if you didn't have the weird expectation like you did that he was going to blow away this field and you say Joshua Cheptegei is going to run a 59-21 in his first half marathon on that course, yeah. you'd probably say it was a good result, but now he's a victim of his own success at this point to where we think, yeah. okay, 5K, 10K, he can just keep making that next step up and he's going to have no equal just because he was so good in those races on the track this year. I think you would have liked to have it. I think it would have been a bonus. What yeah. I'm interested in now is, is Kip Limo going to be his number one rival in the 10 and the 5? Because if this guy's this good at the half marathon and we've seen what he can do in the five is is he number two right now in the world in the five and the 10 do you think i think he has to be we didn't see a ton from the guys who were actually contending in the 5000 in 2019 uh, Mukhtar idris i don't think ran very much Berega maybe ran a hair but you know he wasn't a a, a big uh factor in this 2020 truncated season but i think kim mm-hmm. limo the fact that he's run 726 1248 and now 5847 in a race that wasn't on 5847 pace from the beginning and and how right. strong he looked yes absolutely uh we said this stuff before he dominated the the world half marathon championship i mean i dominated as a stretch but just i i i'd lean that way simply because he he never looked really fatigued i mean candy's got mm-hmm. much more like a a workman's type form and he was clearly feeling it. I mean, Kiblimo, his head does not move the entire time. He's just like focused and like on a swivel. I, yes, he is his, if, if Chepta guys, you know, the guy who got, who advanced the most in our understanding of the distance races, Kiblimo is, is the is second behind him. I mean, Kiblimo had a fantastic season that we would be raving about if not for the fact that Chep guy broke two Bekele records and then ran twelve fifty one on the roads. Kiblimo is <laughs> um, is is I know we 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 can get kind of obsessed with ages, but Jacob Kiplimo is younger than Jakob Ingebrigtsen. Uh, this is a guy who's going to be a factor for for years to come. I don't know what his best distance is. I mean, if you meet somewhere in the middle between the half and the and the and the five k, you'd say, oh, the ten k is is a good one. Um, I still think Chep the guy has the advantage on the track by virtue of his two world records and his, his you know, more experience. But yeah, the, the, Kip Limo is only going to get better being how young he is. And now he's won the world half, got that confidence. Um, I assume he's going to stay on the track because of how young he is. 
yeah, he's going to be a huge factor. I mean, we already saw him challenge him in cross country too. He got silver back in 2019. So mm-hmm. this guy could beat him. I, it's, it's, uh, we, uh, on the track, obviously he beat him in the world half. He could, he could take mm-hmm. him, take him to task, uh, on the track. And that's not something I would have thought I could say coming into this race. You mentioned Jakob Ingerbritsen. I think he also is going to be in contention in the 5,000 and then 10,000. Ronix Kipruchu, we haven't heard from him much in the back half of, well, at all in the back half of 2020. He, of course, ran that 26 24 in in January. Throw those guys in, and you basically have all the, oh, I think that's all the players that we think. Mohamed, I think, Paul Chalimo in the 5K, yeah. obviously, but he's, he's raced against them before chapter guy that is i'm interested to know like this is the this is the recipe for beating joshua chapter guy you obviously need a deep field and you have no lights and you have just a straight up race and then you see and then you see what what happens from there again it's not him running bad it's just there was just a very very deep field again not his distance not his primary distance mm-hmm. especially when you compare it to someone like the candy man there keep a candy who's like a half marathon specialist, I think you could say yeah. at this point. It a whole different story going in the five thousand and ten thousand and tango with Cheptegai. But I'm very interested to see Cheptegai's early season twenty twenty races in the Diamond League. Usually I throw a lot of those out, but I think with Cheptegai, I think they actually matter. What he decides to run and his his results in those races, I think are gonna be really interesting to see in twenty twenty one. Yeah, like you said, it's always tempting to kind of throw those out, particularly in the five thousand, just because they're going to a lot of times they're outside thirteen minutes, and mm-hmm. it's just kind of a it's basically a four hundred meter race, you know, gift yeah. wrapped up in a five thousand meter pomp and circumstance show. It's it's not necessarily <laughs> indicative of who the best true five thousand meter runner is, but I think with Chef the guy, it'll be a, a little different. Uh, this doesn't. I mean, maybe it knocks him down a hair from like he was about to reach Elliot Kipchoge's stature. And now it's like, okay, he does have some things of which he's not going to be perfect at right away. Um, mm-hmm. But it doesn't take I, – I know I said Kiplimo can contend with him. And, and on a very good day for Kiplimo and maybe an off day for Cheptegai, he could beat him at the 5 or the 10. But I still think Cheptegai is going to come out next year red hot on the track and and – be be a dominant force um because he's just so much so much stronger again i mean i don't think he's going to have races where he's going to wait and make it a 13 flat race even in a diamond league i think he's going to come out and try to run in the 1240s and and beat guys soundly maybe he doesn't do that um yeah. you know he didn't do that in this in this uh this half marathon but that's just a whole different situation i don't yeah. think that was a a race to try to go from the gun on that type of course in your first effort. But on the track, it'll be a different story. It will be something to watch in the Diamond League um, because I, you're right, he's, he's was so much better as far as time than the rest of these guys that all of a sudden, if he's kind of going back to the 2019 version of himself, which is good, but not like separating himself from the pack in a tactical races, then it's like, oh, that opens up all these possibilities and maybe the world record holder is not um, completely unbeatable. But I would expect the opposite. I think he's going to come out and be a force and, and be winning all these Diamond League races and, and, and be the dominant guy he's shown he can be on the track. Yeah, is he going to do that, though, by running from the front? Or is he going to try to practice some, some tactics? Is he going to practice some fast closes where 
it's out 13 minutes or all season is he going to be trying to hit 1240s and then do the same thing when yeah. it comes time for Tokyo I just think that's a tough ask to run off that many really really quick times in a row now we could go back to the previous era and Paul Chalimo mentioned this when he was watching the world record with us it used to be back in the day those championship races were pretty quick you look at Bekele's performances in world championships and Olympics there's some fast times in there there's no rule that says they have to dawdle but I'm just looking for any clues or hints early on in the season next year as to what he decides to do when it comes time for the championships is he gonna is he gonna run it like a Timothy Chariot or Safan Hassan or is he gonna run it like he ran the 10,000 last year and hope it is closes the best because those fields aren't bad, Lincoln. Like the five and the ten are going to be deep. We brought up a lot of the mm-hmm. names. You got to you got to put Mo Farah in there as as well, just because all the the medals he's won, and also because Shepard guy is now talking trash to Mo Farah before <laughs> World Half Marathon Championships. I don't know if you saw that, but that that's yeah. going to wake him up a little bit. How do you think Mo took that took that comment? Yeah, I would think he took it as the, the Michael Jordan, and I I took that personally. Uh, we can make the the meme <laughs> for Mo Farah. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't, I didn't actually hear him say that. I would love to actually see the, see the video or the audio and just of why, you know, sometimes we take that and obviously the words came off very much as, I guess Mo Fair is just avoiding me. I mean, it kind of came off like that. Well, those weren't the exact words, but that's the way it came I off. Got the like, word. I'm, disappointed he's not, I'm disappointed he's not here. Like, yeah, go ahead. Quote, I thought we would have we would have a more exciting field, which in retrospect yeah. that quote doesn't age very well. It like of course well. we have the Kenyans, we have the Ethiopians, but I was still surprised and I'm still surprised why Mo Farah is not part of the field. It's quite really ridiculous that he's not in the field. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't eesh. yikes. Kevin, that is uh bulletin board material for a certain Mo Farah in, in London. It's co- quite ridiculous. Um yeah, I mean, Mo Farah's run the world half once, and I think that mm-hmm. was probably it for him. I mean, it's not, you know. It is funny that we're talking trash over who signs up for the world half marathon championships. The pandemic in Poland. Um, well, even it, still, it, it, you know how you get out of running a world half marathon championships? You say, I'm not a half marathon runner because it's not a real championship distance. It's not a real so, distance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What yeah, are we yeah, doing yeah. Here? I'm not sure what he was going for there. I mean, we could talk about like the English as a second language type of a thing. I don't necessarily think that was it. Um, maybe he really no, I think genuinely he was, saying. I think he was, saying. Uh, was just generally trying to trash Mo Farah. Not really sure. Um, maybe trying to psych him out a little bit. Uh, and in either case, I think Mo Farah was satisfied with the result at the World Half from his couch in London. He probably... <laughs> says yes i'll i'll take that i'll take that result a fourth place finish um because yeah chep the guy i i do like his confidence though regardless of the fact that he got beat um Mm -hmm. i like where his confidence was at they were saying on the broadcast that you know chep the guy's team coming into the ten thousand world record was like wholly confident that he was going to break the mark so i think they him and his group are have a certain swagger about him that is earned um, mm-hmm. and I don't necessarily think this will, you know, cause him to scale that confidence back just because he lost at, at a, at a world half. Um, no, you know, I like all it. Those, all those guys are very, very good, but I think the track is very clearly 
his domain. And because he got beat by Jacob Kiplimo, Kibiwat Candy, and the Ethiopian guy does not mean all of a sudden that Ronix Kiprutu is back in play and or that Yamif Kajelka is back in play or Jakob Ingebrigtsen is any closer to him. Those guys are different. And the 5,000 is still still very much, you know, his his race. I mean, would, would we have ex- – obviously, Cheptegei is a different case, but if Mo Ahmed would have hopped in this race, a guy who ran 1247 in this world half, mm-hmm. would, and I know he's not the 10,000-meter runner that Cheptegei is, but if Mo Ahmed would have hopped in this world half, I, I don't think we would have been like, well, podium or bust. No, if the top five finish would have been spectacular yeah. for him. I know that I, I'm trying to – backpedal from my my take i understand some people are going to view it as that because i said he was dominant he didn't and i was wrong and i can eat some crow on that but this doesn't this isn't indicative of him like losing his midas touch he's still pretty close right now to unbeatable in my opinion on the track okay you're fine that's fine all i'm saying is just it elevates it elevates kip limo because kip limo is not a half marathoner either kip limo is a five and ten thousand meter he might be. He he might be, but next year he's running the Olympics in the five and the ten, and I don't think mm-hmm. he did specialized training for this. His his you know he ran that five k in in Monaco. I just think Cheptegei obviously is going to be the favorite, but right behind him there's a big group that's snapping right at his heels. And if the race goes a different way, I think it just like in this race it opens things up. I mean, if he went out, if Cheptegei went out, if he had the ability to go out hard, I think it would have he could have dominated, but it, then on the other side of it, he could have totally blown up and it would have been a first place or 12th place situation. Yeah. And I, I think he, he probably made that calculation early on. Hey, this is my first thing. I'm just going to cruise. And these guys are going, these guys are going quick enough. I mean, that's not like they were dawdling out there. I mean, they're running sub 59 minutes. That's, that's fast. We sort of get immune to how quickly uh, those guys are going in half marathon with these times. So you mentioned Mondo earlier though. Is it over? Is the World Athlete of the Year debate now over? I think you or have you're to wait give it for to some you. more races. Um, maybe the Chris, the Christmas Ultimate Garden Clash. Uh, that's when I'll <laughs> make my decision. No, I think it is over. I think Mondo Duplantis has the award because he's undefeated. And I, as much as we joked about this was an important race for the Athlete of the Year for Mondo Duplantis, and was he rooting for somebody else? He probably didn't care. He may not even know currently who won the World Half Marathon Championships. But <laughs> uh, if anyone in his corner is trying to, you know, it, see what the standings are, what the what the, uh, the current projections are for the World Athlete of the Year, they would tell him your chances just got uh, quite a bit higher because you look at a guy who broke. You know, you could say if you, I know we're not going to count the outdoor one, but he broke the indoor and outdoor world record. I know they only have one world record for the pole vault. Um, mm-hmm. And then he also, had, you know, had a just an absolute crap ton of, of six meter and above clearances that weren't, weren't the world record. Um, and we talked last week about where it all stacked up in the IAAF scoring tables. Last week was the IAAF scoring tables week. We're going to leave that in the past. So I won't discuss that, <laughs> but he's undefeated. Chapter guy's not undefeated now. He competed a lot more. I think you have to give it to Mondo Duplantis, as weird as that is. And uh, I, I think it would have gone to Cheptegei if he would have won the world half. I, I think it really did hinge on this race, which is crazy to think. It's just a weird sport, right? When when you're talking about a guy who does who jumps with a stick over a bar against a guy you know who's running 13.1 miles. But that's what I think it came down to. Um, and I. I don't think it would be an outrage if they gave it to Chapter Guy, but 
but it should now go to Monodiplantis. It's crazy that we're in a position where a guy broke the 5,000 and 10,000 meter world record in the same year, and he's not the favorite to -hmm. get it. I agree with you. You convinced me via IWF scoring tables last week. I do think it is. I do think it is weird. We're comparing apples to Chevy Camaros when we're talking about pole vaulters and, and distance runners. And then if you want to throw a Warholm and Krauser in there, then we have two other completely different events. But just the frequency of competition for Mondo is way above Chepty Guy. Chepty Guy ran that Monaco Road 5K. He ran the Monaco Track 5K. He ran the Valencia 10,000. And then he ran this. That was mm-hmm. it. So when you have such a small resume and you're going against a guy who's competed uh, like there was no weird season, then you got to win everything. And I think that's, yeah. a, that's, a fair, that's a fair bar. And Mondo certainly deserves it because if you're a pole vault fan, you'd say, well, man, I can't imagine a scenario where a guy would vault what Mondo did and he wouldn't win. Exactly. And I'm sure there's there's Krauser people and Warholm people who thought we've put together a resume that any other year would win. And they're 100% right. You go back through, look at history, most of their seasons still hold up. And, and they would have been able to uh, win World Athlete of the Year in most cases. It, Do you I know who the curious. real victor is here, though? The real victor mm-hmm. is the opponents of lights. Because if you hated the pacing lights, yeah, Mondo's not you right. not putting lights on his he's not putting lights on the bar, Lincoln. Yeah. No, exactly. There's no such no techni- carbon techni- fiber in those shoes. Actually, I don't mm-hmm. know if there's carbon fiber in his shoes. Maybe. Maybe in the in the well, I don't know what a what's a what's the pole made of. Maybe it has just peppered with carbon fiber. I assume. Yeah. Fiberglass. There Fiberglass. you go. The irony or the the thing that's interesting is if he would not have run this race, if he would have just like pulled a Bekele and like mm. dropped out like two days before, um, he probably would have, I mean, he would have had a better shot. It seems like now maybe the people who select this award are looking at it differently than we are and it shouldn't, shouldn't be the case, but I think he would have had a str- truthfully a stronger case if he would have gotten fourth, which is crazy because fourth is, is not bad at all. Um, it's, it's you know, very strong showing if you take it out of the expectations we had for him. But of course, mm-hmm. when you run as fast as he did on the track, the expectations were incredibly high. I'd be curious how much these guys care, and it changes on an athlete per athlete basis. About I, I'd be curious how much they care about the athlete of the year trophy. I mean, it's a pretty big deal uh, when you talk about the athlete of track and field, and I'm sure there's bonuses written in and there's you know money associated with it. So there's care on that end. But I, I would be interested to know like like Mondo, who's kind of like a guy at least in press conferences, who's like he's kind of relaxed and doesn't seem to be like interested in all the the like outside stuff other than competing and jumping higher and higher and higher i'd be interested to know how much he cares about athlete of the year trophy and then the same with with chep the guy who um obviously mm-hmm. it's got bigger sights ahead of him than just winning a best track and field athlete he's trying to like stamp his legacy as one of the best distance runners ever so i'm curious what they're what they think yeah. of this they know if they're kind of familiar with the fact that these we're competing this distance runner and the pole vaulter are are kind of up for us because we're like so hyper focused on all this stuff but i don't know i don't know if they are at the at the same level i assume you know this is track and field's mvp award it's a big deal in the nba it's a big deal in the mlb i would think these guys are the same way but you never know 
Who's on your third team ballot, by the way? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to be all defense. Sure. I know they, they need to like put this out to the media. Why? Why? Why doesn't the media vote on this? I'd I'd like a uh, athlete of the year vote. <laughs> they might. They just probably didn't include us. <laughs> oh, is there a track and field I writers? I think there is a track and field writers association, right? Yeah, yeah. You're not you're not a dues paying no, member, but there. I think they someone picks it like. Or that's an obvious statement. Of course, somebody picks it, but they have a portion of it is fan vote. I think a portion of it is uh, not media, but maybe just I, World Athletics personnel. They have the mm-hmm. dream set up this year on the on the men's side of things. The women's is going to be a mess, uh, and I don't even know if they're going to have the normal gala in Monaco based on what's been happening. But you have an ideal situation where you have four people from you know representing three different continents. Yeah. On the men's side of thing, and representing the throws, vault, sprint slash hurdles, and then distance. You have the the diversity that you want in terms of geography and in in events. Because I know there's been yeah. some years where you're like, wait a minute, how did that person get nominated? And it's like, oh, they wanted they didn't have a field event person or they didn't have a, a sprinter. That's why they invited Usain Bolt. He should not get this last mm-hmm. athlete of the year. That is ridiculous. We're just giving these things to Usain Bolt because it's fun and he shows up at yeah. a gala. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Um, Come to think uh, of it, I should have done that more when I was throwing parties and stuff. I could have been like, "Hey, cool kid in school, you should come to my party because I'm presenting you with cool kid of the year award, and then guaranteed yeah. I get more people at my party." That's a yeah, that's a life hack, there, folks. I never thought about good, that. Good strategy, if a little bit desperate, but that's okay. World <laughs> athletics, not ashamed. Earth sports, not ashamed to just give a, any award to Usain Bolt just because they can. By the way, do you know how much earth sports has taken off in, in the common vernacular? Earth, your, really? your, well, not on this podcast, but on the other podcast I do, House of Run, which does not include you. But when we were talking about the name change way back when, I said, hey, my coworker at Flowtrack, Lincoln, we were coming up with names and we, called, yeah. and we started calling earth sports. So now we get all these emails where it's like, Hey guys, just wondering what you think Earth Sports can do to da, 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 da. and they say it without even a wink yeah. and a nod. So I've just it almost just stick and then now people abbreviate it E E S in there. And I'm like, what are they what are they talking about? <laughs> it's already gone into shorthand. So good job well, on that. Good job. I feel good. That's a that's part of my track and field legacy. Um maybe maybe shirts can be made that also make fun of their logo. Um I I I'm so glad to contribute. Uh, that was an obvious thing for me. When I when I try to make fun of stuff, I always look at things that are very close, and I just mm-hmm. world, earth, athletics, sports. It it yeah. uh, we really benefited there from being American because athletic. Like when people in Europe think of athletics, they think, "Oh, you're talking about track and field." Over here in the states, mm-hmm. we think of athletics. It was just that's just another word for sports. Like what? So yeah, that yeah. It, it was just it was an easy joke to be made. So I, I'm I'm appreciative that other people are are using it, and I uh, yeah I'm I'm happy to donate that to the track and field audience in mass. Since we were talking about the world athlete of the year, I think an athlete who threw their hat in the ring with a performance this weekend was Paris Jepchirchir with her victory. Mm. It was the transition race back-to-back women's only world records uh a lot of people seem to be obsessed with that i I don't tend to care too much about the women's only versus mixed thing i I kind of am happy to just have one world record but whatever as as it is jeff cheer cheer uh real nice races in the in the world half 
and then previously in Prague. Do you think she's put herself in the mix here? She's definitely a finalist because they're I think World Athletics is scrapping and clawing to find four finalists for for this award. Um, do you feel like she has a shot to win? Yeah, I think just because the rest of the field hasn't done much, I was going to give it to Latensa Betgaday because she has the world record in the 5,000, which people yeah. give more weight to than the women's only half marathon world record. But yeah. with Perez Chipchircher, now she's got a she's got the marks and she's got a major championship title. In this year, a world half counts as a major championship, correct? I mean, she only yeah. has she only, she only has two. She has th- she's raced three times this year, one cross country race where she got second, and then these two half marathons. So it's not like she's got the racing advantage numbers over Gaudet, but mm-hmm. she's two is two is more than one in terms of uh, world record performances. But I don't know yeah. how much you're going to weight the women's only versus the overall world record. Yeah, I mean, the 5,000 is more significant as far as the track and field community. That's pretty obvious. I mean, I think even you you pulled like 15 like diehard track and field fans and you ask, like, ask them on the street, hey, what's the women's only half marathon world record? I, I, I mean, even like, like, for example, Jeff Cheer said it previously in September. I wouldn't have been able to tell you before this race. Like, I just, that's not something I keep talking oh, about. The overall world record, 64-31 by uh, Ababel Yashana. Yeah, I'm going to remember that because that's an overall world record, and that's what the mm-hmm. world record should be. I don't care if the people she runs next to have testosterone. Like, that's that's the that's the world record. I just – I don't think that's the case. But regardless, Jeff Chirchir, you can say she broke two world records in 2020 and now has yeah. the biggest title – the the yeah. one international title of the season to to put her name next to. I think you have to obviously put her in the mix as far as athlete of the year. This Kevin was a much more obviously Chep the guy had the attention and that was an interesting race because of the pedigree of athlete. But I think this race was much more interesting to to watch in in my opinion. Just you had the falls. It was kind of chippy between the Ethiopians mm. and, and Kenyans. Um, I thought you saw the Kenyans running real aggressively. I don't want to necessarily put the blame on Jocelyn Chep, the guy or Jocelyn Jep Kosguy for, Kos for that yeah. with 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 Yashana, but both well, Jep Kosguy, yeah, both she Jep Kosguy and it. Jep Chirchir were running really aggressively and not afraid to run really close. You also saw Jep Kosguy, um, or excuse me, Jep Chirchir. I'm going to keep getting those mixed up. You saw Jep Chirchir kind of keep doing that motion with her arm, like, give me space. But it was really her that was, like, eliminating that space. She was, like, just running real close with people. And you have to wonder if that was, like, a strategy. I know there's no love lost with the Ethiopians and Kenyans when it comes to distance running. They've been going face-to-face, head-to-head for whatever, you know, 40 years on the international stage and obviously previously before that um, back in East Africa. But they were – not afraid to get real, real close and to make this a physical race. And that's why you saw yeah. Yashana hit the pavement at about 18 K. And I, I, I tend to think Yashana would have been a factor all the way to the finish line. Obviously she's the world record holder, but she looked like she was starting to make a move late in the race. And then she mm-hmm. hit the pavement and then it was kind of all over for her. Um, it doesn't mean I think Kenya like ran a dirty race, but it, 
it was just a uh, it played a factor the way they they strategize and the way they chose to run this right up on the heels of of their competitors. Yashana was telling her to back off. She's, mm-hmm. You could see it before she fell. She'd motioned, hey, so she must have either felt her being too close or got clipped. And then a stride or two later, she's on the ground. It was 100% Jepkoski's fault. And if this was a 800-meter prelim, they would have advanced both of them to the finals. I don't think it would have been enough to DQ Jepkoski, but it was still 100% her fault. The other two Ethiopian falls in this race didn't seem to be impacted by anybody else. They just fell on their own accord. Yeah. But I, I agree with you on the aggressive racing from Kenya. Ethiopia, though, got the last laugh here. You know how, for me, these World Half Championships are all about the team race, <laughs> women's side of things. Three hours, 16 minutes, 39 seconds for Ethiopia. Kenya, three wow. hours, 18 minutes, 10 mm-hmm. seconds. That's a pretty big victory for them. On the men's side of things, it was much closer with Kenya winning by 15 seconds over Ethiopia and Uganda uh, 14 seconds behind Ethiopia. So a very close wow. race. Yeah, yeah, for the men. The women's race, after those two teams, it was another 10 minutes before Germany came through with uh, 3.28.42. And they were buoyed by Malat Kajeta, who I had not heard of before this. That was definitely a who. Yeah, that was definitely a who moment. Uh, she was like a 68-minute yeah. Former, and then she all of a sudden runs 65-18. I think the commentators were kind of floored with it as well, as anyone would be. I did enjoy, on, a, on an aside here, The it seems like Tim Hutchings like got would, would get startled every five minutes and be reminded that he needed to talk about the team implications too because you just mm-hmm. want to talk about the race. But like, oh, and by the way, the team race, and it was just like, like almost, see, it sounded like it was a joke for me. There. No one, Thank uh, you, no, Tim. One aside from, yeah, no one aside from Kevin is interested in the, because they were like at one point giving us an update on how the Polish women were faring back in like sixth. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. well, mm-hmm. they're competing with Mexico for a top five. And it's like, is this a joke? Is this, is this real right now? <laughs> like, come on. Poland finished seventh. Okay. Oh, they fell to seventh. I got, is, I got a new slash for you, Lincoln. The U.S. could have got yeah. a bronze here for the women. 328, they could have done that. They definitely mm. could have done that. Men's side would have been harder because you would have had to have three people average under 60 minutes, which would have been hard. Yeah, that'd be tough. Yeah, that'd some be Some might say tough. impossible. But for the yeah, women, 328, they, they, they could do 328 could on that course. Yeah, you would have thought. I mean, we never send our strongest team, so we couldn't have. But if we theoretically had gotten all you know the best group together – it would have been a, a certainly a, a possibility as, as fast as the race went. You would just had to strategize well and not have anybody try, obviously try to go out with the, the front group, which I don't think would have been a problem because I don't think we have any half marathoners who can run a 15, 20, 5K on the roads, period, let alone do it in the first 5,000 of a of a half marathon. What do you mean? Um, oh, sure we did. Molly Huddle could do that. Run 15, 20 on the, in the first – 5k oh, of a, oh you said oh. period you, she couldn't run it period oh, that means okay. she can't do it at all i mean i'd still Ever. think that'd be a tough tough case okay maybe 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 she could do that yeah i mean i, I suppose emily sisson um, could run 15 20 in a road 5k a lot of people can run 15, okay 20 in a road fine 5K. fine what, whatever wrong it was fast Lincoln, wrong. it was fast Listen, from the gun 
it was fast from the gun and I, it, it would I have been it. tough. The U.S. would have had to strategize well. But yes, a, certainly a possibility. I, the men, I'm fine with us keeping a team at home. That's that's great. Um, <laughs> but women, yeah, maybe we should have thought about sending a group. You're right. I'm just saying in retrospect, I don't see Germany as a better half marathon nation than the U.S. for the women mm-hmm. or for the men. And there was definitely a huge drop off there. It wouldn't have been a sea change moment because it would have been still well behind Kenya and Ethiopia, the two immovable forces in in distance running would have been nice to see would have been nice to see them out there i love the course though uh it was the fact that it was tightly packed i thought made it even cooler if it was just one person running out there by themselves those narrow spots wouldn't have looked as interesting that one downhill section that ran into the ocean was pretty cool i like the fact that they were running yeah they're running essentially on a bike path at one point it wasn't even a road. I don't think it was that quick of a course. I saw Tim Hutchings afterwards. He was mad because they ran too fast because the course he said wasn't that quick, but it's all the shoes, uh, which on, I know Tim. ruined the don't lose it ruined it for you. <laughs> Did it ruin it for you, Lincoln? No. I, I hate it when people do run. the sport really well. When I'm watching a sport that I like, I hate it when people yeah. do it really well. It just bothers me. Don't don't do that, Tim. I mean, you're such a you know your commentary is so entertaining to you know you get just get the real like pop of of like English terminology that I don't get to hear over in the States and it's, it's enjoyable. And, and then, and then he comes on Twitter and just kind of throws it all in the garbage can. Just come on, man. Just, just keep those thoughts to yourself. The shoe takes aren't going to, aren't going to age well. And they said it even on the broadcast, like the times don't matter. Like even if they would have run 62 minutes, like uh, on the women's yeah. side and like destroyed the world record and very clearly technology would have played a role in that. The times still wouldn't matter. Like it doesn't, the, it's all about obviously the conversation would have been about how much they broke the world record by, but it's a championship race. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, it's, yeah. it's just about who wins. Yeah. You know, we're not, no one's going to remember that Paris Jeff Cheer Cheer set the women's only world record at this race. They're not going to remember mm-hmm. much about this at all. Um, <laughs> but, but they will, you know, theoretically, if you're going to remember something, it's, you know, Paris Jeff Cheer Cheer got her second title and then a German woman got, got second. Uh, yeah. 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 I mean, she's originally I, from Ethiopia, but still a German, German woman got, got second. And then it's just, it's, it's unnecessary. I think to bring that into it, let's leave that stuff to, to, for the, the, you know, major marathons and other road races, if you will, it's just not necessary. I want to say about the broadcast. I did enjoy it. When you talk about that ocean view, they had like a drone out there. I feel like. Yeah. It was a really nice. Yeah. Shot. They got that side that shot. Cool. Yeah. The side. Okay. Yeah. It looked like a it looked like a Tinman Elite training montage shot. That's not what I saw <laughs> when it came came from the side. It was cool. There has to yeah. be some there has to be some middle ground between baseball fans getting wrapped up in the Maguire Sosa home run chase and being no one being like, man, why are they hitting so many more home runs than they used to? And then the other side in running, where anytime something good happens, it's just met with skepticism. We have to find mm-hmm. a middle ground of uh, appreciating the performance in a proportionate way and not disparaging it because it's better than what we've seen before. Well, and I think part of it too, part of the discussion with the shoes a year ago was look at the advantage the Nike athletes have on everybody else. This is unfair. Now you look at it and the top of the athletes, they're either all Nike or they're Adidas athletes. And Adidas has a super shoe out just the same. Now you can mm-hmm. debate the merits of each shoe, which one's better, whatever. But it's an equal playing field now. I think we can pretty much assume that all the athletes in the women's race up front either had the the Nike shoe on or 
in the case of Chip Cheer Cheer, again, who won the race, she was wearing mm-hmm. Adidas. So I don't think this it's it's an equal it's it, and it's not a case of the like the, the home run race where everyone's roided up. Like it's not it's it's shoes it's shoes guys it's shoes, and so it's an equal playing field. And so we we had a race. I don't know. I mean, like, did that really ruin it for? Like, imagine Joe Buck getting on Twitter and just saying, you know what, the the uh, that was a great World Series. But the that. fact that there were 19 home runs in the last three games combined, that kind of ruined it for me. No, I think Fox would be like, yeah. who's this joker that we're putting on the air here? Let's let's get somebody who's not having these horrible takes. I just think Tim Hutchings, I think, great on the mic, and I love listening to him. Like, stop, stop. You don't have to impress your English buddies who write for the 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 daily mail uh with your your that you're woke on the shoe takes stop just enjoy the races I, like, it's just I, I didn't even know i didn't even notice that she was adidas to be honest until you said that and yeah. i was looking up the, the the finish image yeah no she she is right before it was nike is at this huge advantage and now that that's gone because we see other companies rolling out the shoes and other athletes being able to perform now it's well, now times don't mean anything. History is obliterated. And as we've talked about, I think you and I talked about this with the lights when you basically insulted all the Let's Internet G'day fans out there. It's, if, you're, if your argument then boils down to previous times are going to mean less, I think that is a much less compelling argument that they're in the present day a uneven playing field. Well, and, and I losing the argument that. at that point. If there's one thing I want to maintain the purity of, it's the half mar- women's only half marathon times from <laughs> from yesteryear of the 90s of my youth. No, who gives a yeah. – I, I, this would be my first time cussing on this podcast. Who gives a shit about the times whoa, whoa. A lot in half marathon? Cut his mic. Previously, yeah. No, if I think Gordon's dropped the F word on this podcast before. He does it all the time. Him. Yeah. Gordon does it like in the but, first five minutes of every episode. It's really weird. I don't yeah. know. Need to put it it's like a stride out for him. He just does it to test yeah. his vocal cords to see if they work. Um, I just, I just think that's that's, and I, I'll, I'll look at Tim's Twitter after this to to get a full grasp of it. But I, I, he's obviously got a history of this. Again, love his work on the microphone. Don't love his work with his fingers. That's that's where I where I stand on the old Tim Hutchings case. It's just interesting. You just don't you don't really see that from other commentators and it's not like I'm not, it's not like a stick to sports argument or like a, you know, I can't, commentators can't also have their own opinions, but you just don't necessarily see that in other sports where technology or the so-called changes to the game uh, really influence the way they think of it or, or speak about it. You know, like I mentioned the Joe Buck thing, you don't like, like, you know, home runs have spiked as they think the balls are, are different than they were previously in baseball. You don't see him being like, this has ruined the thing for me. It's just, well, that's what I'm, this, that, that's what I'm, this yeah. era needs, we're in. <laughs> like, the, who cares? We're, this is the era we're in. Th- there needs to be a, a, a line between just like straight up boosterism, right? And uncritical thinking. And then also it's just, it's a weird spot of everything is shadowy. Here's the, here's the original tweet. And there's a whole bunch of responses to it. He says, so 59% of men and 66% of women in Ganinia's fabulous World Athletics Half Marathon Championships on October 19th, set or October 17th, excuse me, set personal bests on, in optimal speed terms, a good but not very fast four-lap circuit. Yes, we can celebrate the awesome racing, but why, all caps, this continued denial of the shoes? 
I wouldn't say it's a denial of of the shoes. And first off, the course, yeah, there were some turns, but there were downhill portions. Otherwise, otherwise it was it was flat. Also, th- we just don't run a ton of half marathons. Even the best people when they run it, I mean, it it, yeah. it seemed like a good day, optimal racing weather. And of course, yeah, the shoes had something to do with it. I, I suppose just as in any new pair of shoes any i mean just i just don't look at it at this at this massive step forward in like all of a sudden it's ruining the sport i just don't believe that i don't think it's authentic when people say that is it truthfully ruining the sport for you is it is it taking away from what you've previously seen it's it i I don't know how how that that's a weird part well, because then you're just arguing personal preference though, right? Then we're getting away from like the science and how much does it help this person and that person? Because then then it's just devolved into, well, I don't like it and it ruins my experience viewing the sport. And it's fine for someone to have that opinion if they want to have that opinion. And I don't think you're ever going to be able to convince them otherwise. I just remember, we've heard this so many times about so many different issues in track and field. Remember Kipchoge the first time going for a sub two, it wasn't the shoes. It was just like this sort of running and this yeah. just blatant, time trial and skirting of the rules is going to ruin the sport. And then a million people watched it on Facebook, like more so than any other running event. And everyone's like, well, I guess it didn't ruin the sport and we could go on and on and on. I don't think it ruins it. That's my personal opinion, but then you're just arguing, arguing a preference. I just feel like in track and field athletics, whatever you want to call it, there's an inferiority complex as being a sport. That's not, on par with a major sport in any, you know, in the case of in the UK or wherever, uh, you know, no, nowhere close to to soccer, uh, to football, I should say, and then the US obviously nowhere close to the to the majors, major sports. There's an inferiority complex of which we seem to do ourselves self harm. We there, there's advances in in every other sport in a similar regard. Um, it's not like in cycling, they're like, hey. Well, we had an idea to make the bike lighter, but I think a lot of people will dislike that on Twitter. So maybe we shouldn't do that. No, every sport's looking mm-hmm. to push things forward. And this is the advance in the shoe technology. And if it means people are running faster than they ever have, that's supposed to be a bad thing. I, I, I just, I will never understand that. I will never understand that. It's 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 not like, yes, okay, if the, and the biggest consequence is some world records will be broken. Guess what? In 20 mm-hmm. years, the shoes are going to be even better and probably more world records are going to be broken. Do I really need to drop the records are meant to be broken cliche on you here? <laughs> it is it is outrageous. <laughs> I, I, I just, I don't understand. The shoes are within the rules. They're going to be within the rules. The records are going to be broken. People are going to run personal best. But in the end, the best athletes win. Now the shoes are all going to be on a similar playing field. Everyone's going to have carbon in their shoes. Let's let's stop this. And if the the case is that everyone on Team Israel ran a personal best at a half marathon of which they peaked for, oh, no. I I, like, oh, that's just terrible news. Come on, man. Just everybody needs to stop Well, here's another one. I'll, I'll read one more to, to get you wound up again. He says, I'm not condemning or blaming individual athletes and understand they can't beat them, join them thing, but the shoes should not have been signed off. What's been achieved? A foot race became an arms race, and now that all brands have similar tech, we're back to square one, but with fake PBs. I feel like he just like contradicted his point there with saying that all brands have all brands have. Yeah, right. I'm saying the argument. Yeah, the, the argument now, the argument is no longer that the current playing field is imbalanced. That's not the argument. Yeah. The argument now is about it ruins the past 
and it ruins any sort of semblance of continuity and it makes it like he said the the times are inflated fake pbs mm-hmm. and going forward it may not be you can't put the genie back in the back in the bottle but i mean i'm seeing also yeah. in this thread people were asking well what spikes did you you race in like weren't there any advances in shoe technology when you were competing which again obviously all other tracks etc all these things have helped all athletes the leap doesn't necessarily it's not linear it's not as if there's just the same amount of progress in shoes and tracks every single year and you can control for it some eras are going to have bigger jumps in some spots and others are going to have it in in other places and this just happens to be what's happening right now I mean, I think a lot of people are saying, well, you just can't, you can't fix it. Like once it's out, it's out. But Jared Ward brought up a good point. It's like, if you're, say they just suspended the stack height regulation and you can build them as high as you want, eventually mm-hmm. it's going to even out. Cause obviously if it yeah. gets too high, you're going to lose your balance and fall over. But also, but also then it becomes too heavy. So it, it is going to regulate yeah. back that way. And listen, I mean, I, I agree. I agree that it, they help. They, they are they're, the the data shows that they help, and you can argue how much it helps. But I'm with you. It doesn't change my enjoyment watching the sport and people not compete. All. Not at all. Like, it's like not even. Not, what I not even. Right. Yeah. If if I had not to write down, yeah, if I had to write down 50 things that impacted my ability to enjoy track and field, and I had to be 100 percent honest, it would not be on that list. The fact that everybody no. has faster shoes, do it not. Anyway, that's it. The biggest thing that impacted my enjoyment of this race was that it took place in the middle of the night here over in the U.S., so I knew the results before I actually watched it. I mean, that was the biggest thing that it, that took away my enjoyment. But other than that, no, it's as nothing, nothing or to do with US. the shoes. I mean, or it's the just, U.S. wasn't it's there, just, or Mo Farrell wasn't there, or there's a lot of other things. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, it's just it's too much. We've we've done this. It's 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 overdone. We've overcooked it. I think we we're always going to be looking for. Uh, a controversy and uh yeah it's i'm 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 i i can ignore it you know it's just i'm just surprised people who are way more experienced in the sport are kind of falling for the twitter warriors arguments and the 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 kind of people the the elitists of us who who think that they that the shoes have, have ruined the sport and they're not going to watch it, which I think is disingenuous as we've discussed, which I know you feel the same. So yeah, it's, 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 it's weird to me. Enjoy, like I said, enjoy Tim Hutchings, enjoy his work on the microphone. I just continue to be surprised at what the way he recaps these races on Twitter that he calls. I mean, might as well just call it like that. Might as well just, you know, just say, well, there's we obviously know that's a that is a complete fraud move because of the shoes he's wearing <laughs> i mean you might as well just call it like that if that's going to be the case i mean just don't hide behind it i'm looking forward to your return to the mic it's going to be exciting yeah 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 thing. yeah so we looked down in place in in 48th place and this athlete ran in chuck taylor's so they're the real <laughs> winner here because they didn't cheat because they had foam and carbon fiber all right we'll leave it there Flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com. Write in, let us know. We got a couple emails. We'll get to them later on this week. We appreciate everybody listening. If you want to listen to the audio version, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and the video, flowtrack.org slash flowtrackpodcast. Until next time.